Do you like the work we're doing here at It's All Journalism? For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us continue the conversation about good journalism. Show your support by donating to our Patreon campaign. Go to itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page to donate. And a lot of reporters are lazy. They'll go out and find an article that somebody said, hey, the Blue Yeti is the best microphone ever. Well, it is if you're in a quiet room, and I mean silent, with soundproofing. It's a condenser microphone. But if you're in a, an apartment, it's not a great microphone because it's going to pick up the crickets outside. And I'm saying that because it will pick up the crickets outside. It's a really super sensitive microphone. But everybody saw that article and copied and pasted and said, look, I'm talking about podcasting, but nobody's doing any reporting. Welcome to It's All Journalism. I'm Michael O'Connell here with another podcast about digital media makers. On Skype with me today is David Jackson, the founder of the School of Podcasting. So first of all, tell me how did you get interested in podcasting? My background is in training. So I've been teaching people, and this sounds really weird, but I was training people like what the internet was and how to use a search engine. And this is before Google, which makes people under 30, makes their head explode. And I had been building websites and Microsoft front page and a friend of mine had gone to this marketing conference and said, Hey, which explains how long ago this was. He says, you know how you missed the MySpace boat? And I'm like, yeah, he goes, I just learned about this new thing. It's called podcasting. It's going to be huge. And so I remember I Googled it and there was maybe a page tops, a page and a half on it. And once I finally kind of pieces parted one together and I actually uploaded a file and saw it come down in my, my podcatcher. I went, oh, this really has a huge amount of potential. And at the time, the fun thing about being a corporate trainer is about every five to seven years, sales doesn't hit their quota and they let all the training people go because let's not work smarter by any means. Let's just <laughs> eliminate everybody. And so I needed a, a part-time job because I was going to go back to school to actually get a teaching degree. I'd been teaching without a degree. And I needed something to bring in money that was going to have a flexible schedule. And at the time, everybody was saying podcasting is going to be huge and membership sites are going to be huge. And so that's how I launched the School of Podcasting. But I had been doing a newsletter for musicians for years. And so this was just a way to take that same content and put it out as an audio format. In fact, I'd actually been doing that. It wasn't a podcast, but I was recording it as an audio file and then just putting a button for people to click and listen to. And so I already knew the power of audio, and this is just a way to syndicate it. So when I saw that come up, I was like, oh, I'm I'm hooked. So in a sense, you were kind of doing a podcast already. Did, did you, you know, did you launch a podcast and then sort of build the school around it? Or, you know, how did that work? What I did was I took my newsletter for musicians and I turned it into a podcast. So I went through and was, you know, doing the whole RSS feed and that whole nine yards and then I decided to launch the School of Podcasting because everybody was saying, wow, you you did a podcast. First of all, what the heck is it? And then number two, how do I do this? And I was like, okay, so there is, you know, the law of supply and demand. So I was like, all right, I think this will be worth my time to actually make a membership site. So yeah, I started off with a, a podcast called The Musician's Cooler. I did that for about probably two or three months. And then I launched the School of Podcasting uh, in April of 2005. So what what were your goals at that point besides just, you know, hey, this is something I want to take advantage of? It scratched every itch I have. Number one, it's kind of geeky because it's the whole, you know, website and, you know, RSS feeds and that whole nine yards. So there's a technical end to it. You can be as creative as you want. So I already said I'm a, a musician, so I'm kind of an entertainer. So I got to do that. 
And then my biggest itch being a, a corporate trainer is I like to help people. So for me, this did all of that. I was able to help people understand podcasting. I was able to do it in a creative fashion. There was no FCC. There was no anybody at the radio station. There was no radio station to tell me how I had to do it. And, you know, I had to do traffic and weather on the 10th. There was none of that. And the fact that it was kind of geeky. So it scratched every itch I had. And so that's really when I, I was really interested in it. And then when I got my very first piece of voicemail came from a guy in Germany and I just about fell out of my chair and I went, wait a minute, there's another guy on the other side of the planet that's listening to this podcast. And that's, that's really when I was hooked. When I got my first piece of feedback from a guy in Germany, I went, oh, I'm, you know, I'm podcasting till I die. So when you launched the school, what was your thought about what, what people, what type of questions people would have? I already knew what they were because I was going through, one of the things I've always done as a trainer is when I'm learning a new subject, I write down everything I get stuck on because if I'm getting stuck on them learning, you know, learning that subject, I know my students are going to do that. So as I was going through and I was learning audacity or I was learning whatever the software was, or if I didn't understand what an RSS feed was, I wrote it down. And then it was just a matter of, of coming up with a tutorial or a resource or something like that to help future students do that. And then as more people got involved with podcasting and as my students came in and they would ask a question, I'm like, Oh, you know what? That's a really good question. Let me come up with a tutorial on how to answer that. I mean, I would answer it and then that would then become a tutorial. Yeah, this is sort of like the uh, the frontiersman going into new woods that you, you mark the trees and you figure out where the trails are and what are the difficult passages so that the people who follow you can navigate them well. Absolutely. I've always wanted to help you avoid the mistakes that I'm going to make. Let me be the crash test dummy and I'll, I'll go in and figure out what's going on. And then I'll say, okay, this is a really great tool as long as you don't do this, this, and that, and always do this. And so by doing that, I help you avoid your headaches. Yeah. You know, I ended up getting this book contract because I, I'd started doing presentations at, at conferences about podcasting in sort of a similar experience that you had that, you know, well, I guess there's some value in, you know, sort of talking about the lessons that, that I've learned in doing this because it's an interesting process and every podcaster that I've spoken to has struggled. I mean, you know, some things come easily, some things come hard. There are things that, you know, aren't obvious. People will tell you, go to the internet, all of the information's there, you know, check out YouTube videos, all the information is there. But, you know, I know when, when I started my podcast, I, I had a ton of questions about how to, you know, how to produce audio, how to, how to edit, how to post it online, how to promote it. Um, so it's not just, you know, rec you know, recording mics and sticking it online, you know, how do you stick it online? And the other thing you have to be careful with, cause we're talking about technology, you know, five years in technology is like 35 years to, to normal things. So there are two very popular free from, you know, point A to Z on how to make a podcast and they have really, really bad advice because it was, it was okay advice five years ago, but now they're completely outdated. So that's the thing you have to, to worry about. I mean, when I first started in 2005, I was all about feed burner. I would tell you now with, with like bold underlined exclamation points, do not use feed burner. It's like using an eight track tape. You know what I mean? It's like, it was great back in the day, but you know, we've kind of advanced since that. So that's the, the trick you have in, 
using YouTube and things like that. And a lot of reporters are lazy. They'll go out and find an article that somebody said, hey, the Blue Yeti is the best microphone ever. Well, it is if you're in a quiet room, and I mean silent, with soundproofing. It's a condenser microphone. But if you're in a, an apartment, it's not a great microphone because it's going to pick up the crickets outside. And I'm saying that because it will pick up the crickets outside. It's a really super sensitive microphone. But everybody saw that article and copied and pasted it and said, look, I'm talking about podcasting, but nobody's doing any reporting. Right. And it's important to have somebody who's who's actually putting the time in and saying, hey, this isn't really this wasn't my experience. I'm you know, I'm trying to record this in my kitchen and I'm getting all this echo. You know, I'm, I'm trying to go take this huge microphone somewhere remotely to, to interview somebody at a house. You know, that this is not a practical solution. There are all different types of problems that as you're developing your, your podcast that, that are sort of revealed. So, you know, tell me a little bit about your, your, your sort of course. You know, obviously, I don't want you to give me the whole course and the people get this and they won't come to your school. But mm-hmm. what are the th- types of things that you cover? Probably one of the the most robust courses, because it's a series of courses under one name, is the Planning Your Podcast course, which goes through and helps you identify what your strengths are, what's your passion, what's your subject, what are you going to do different from everybody else, you know, what is your background that you can bring in to make your podcast unique. So there's a lot on that. And then from there, it's just what equipment do you need? And no, 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 you do not need to spend $2,000 on equipment to sound good. That's ridiculous. Um, because a lot of people go out and buy a mixer. Well, if you're doing a solo show, there's nothing to mix. It's you. So it's kind of amazing, again, how people will go out, they'll do a quick Google search and they'll say, oh, I need to buy this $2,000 package. That's ridiculous. So there's a whole course on that. And then if you want to use WordPress for your website, how to do that, how to get into iTunes and Stitcher and what is iTunes and Stitcher and all those things. And then um, how to use whether you're going to use Audacity or Audition or Hindenburg Journalist, things like that. And then how to promote it because it's really, I mean, you're, you're doing this for a book. Writing the book is the easy part. Getting people to read it is the fun part. So it's not enough to build it and they will come. You have to go out and actually promote your show to get people to to listen to it. And I always say the the equation for downloads is the value that you deliver in your episode multiplied by the amount of time that you intelligently market your show equals the total number of downloads. So I kind of go into a strategy on how to promote your show. And then the last one, and you don't have to do this because a lot of people are just having a blast doing a podcast as a hobby. But if you want to actually try to make some money with your podcast, I've got some strategies on that as well. So those are all under the the name school of podcasting, but they're all actual separate courses. Yeah. And those are a lot of the things I'm going to be, be covering in the book. I think, you know, when I, when I started doing the presentations, one of the things I wanted to, to tell people is, you know, I think I may have mentioned this at the beginning, there's a lot of work that goes into a podcast. It doesn't appear to be when you sort of start this out, but just beyond researching all this information about, you know, equipment, about platforms to put yourself on and promotion, uh, just the daily or weekly grind of, of finding guests, coming up with ideas and everything is actually really time consuming and, yeah. and, and tough. And not that it's bad, not that that should be something that precludes you from doing this, but, you know, it's not something that's always obvious. You have to go in with your eyes open. I know I always use the, because I've timed it, it's a four to one ratio. And so if I want to do a 15 minute podcast, it's going to take an hour. And people are like, how is that? Don't I just talk into a microphone and I'm done? Okay, well, you had to figure out what you're going to say. That takes some time. 
Then you have to record it. Maybe you stumbled a, a, over a few words. Well, you might want to go in and edit those. Then you have to upload it. And then you have to write maybe a sentence or a paragraph about what's in the show. And by the time you do that, your 15 minute uh, podcast took an hour. And if you want to do an hour long podcast, congratulations, you just sneezed away four hours. And there's really not a whole, I mean, there are tips and tricks and things like that that you can kind of do to scale that back a bit. But in the end, good content typically doesn't happen by accident. You have to do a little planning and, and uh, the, the more planning you do, the less editing you do. The less planning you do, the more editing you do. And that's a kind of a seesaw effect that in the end, it just costs a lot of time. And I always say there are two currencies you're going to pay in. You're either going to pay in time because you're doing it all yourself, or if you want to outsource it, okay, well then you're going to pay with your money. And I always say, use what you have the most of. If you have more time, well then do it all yourself. If you don't have a whole lot of time, well then you're going to outsource it to somebody to do some of that editing and do some of the, uh, the post-production and things like that. So what are some of the uh, mistakes that fledgling podcasters make? the common ones? Number one, the biggest one is they focus on new and noteworthy in iTunes. New and noteworthy was great back in the day of 2006, 2007, because there weren't that many podcasts coming out. And you could easily, and I mean, like if you had a heartbeat, you could get into new and noteworthy. <laughs> and now there are thousands, literally thousands, at least a thousand podcasts a week coming out. So, and there's not the audience hasn't grown exponentially with the number of podcasts coming out. So you're not going to get that 10,000 download switch that everybody thinks exists. It just doesn't. And that's why it takes a lot of work to promote it. The other thing is I've seen people that will do kind of a name that doesn't, that makes sense to them. I'll give you a perfect example. When I started my original podcast about podcasting, I'm still doing it. I called it the morning announcements. Get it? Cause it's the school of podcasting. But if I went up to somebody and said, hey, I'm doing a show called The Morning Announcements. What do you think it's about? They'd probably say, well, maybe it's a podcast for principals or a school or something like that. Nobody would ever guess podcasting. So you want your show's name to be obvious. I had a client of mine that was going to do a show called um, After the Darkness. And I said, go find your target audience. That's a key point. Find your target audience and say, I'm going to do a show called After the Darkness. What do you think it's about? So he did. And somebody said, isn't that a vampire movie? And somebody else thought it was a band from the 90s. And somebody else, they all guessed, but nobody guessed what his show was about. And I said, okay, well, tell me what your show's about. And he goes, oh, it's, it's about my life after blindness. And I go, that's the name of your show. Yeah. Go back to your target audience. Say, I'm going to do a show called Life After Blindness. What do you think it's about? And they all went, um, your life after blindness. So because you're... Your show's title is kind of a headline, as are the titles for your headline. And so those are some I, that I see people just waste valuable. You know, they go inside baseball and for lack of a better phrase, where they, it's some sort of inside joke. And those just don't work because nobody's searching for those. The other thing, speaking of, of titles and headlines, the headlines of your episode, I'll see people put, you know, episode 16, then they'll put the title of their podcast, which is, if you look in iTunes, right above where this is, so you don't need to put that, and then they'll put the actual title. Well, iTunes truncates this, and so there are a couple of things to think of. Number one, nobody cares that it's episode six. We really don't, and we don't need to see the name of your podcast it's listed right above the headline in iTunes. And so get to your headline and then make it something that is going to pull somebody in. Again, it's a headline. So when you say, you know, episode six, I've seen that, you know, episode six doesn't make me want to listen to it. But if you say it was an interview with Michael O'Connell and he explains how to podcast, okay, I'm going to listen to that. So headlines are really important. The name of your show, those are things that just 
get people to click on. So those are some of the things that I see people um, get hung up on. And then the technology, it doesn't matter if you spend $2,000 on a microphone. If you don't have the talent behind the microphone to go with it, it doesn't work. I see people cheat. They will go to these uh, not so stellar ways of promoting your show where I'll review your show if you review mine and they, they're going to kind of scam the iTunes system or they'll they'll set up a Twitter account to send literally thousands of Twitters a day to or tweets a day. Um, and all that does is it lets the world know that you suck much sooner than later. So, you know, there's a reason why a lot of the people on American Idol that have actually won American Idol aren't really that famous today. And that's because they were driven to the top of the charts before they were really ready. Yeah. So that's, that's some of the things I see, but the, the new and noteworthy thing above all, I see people, I always say, don't spend $50 to save five cents. And there's just not, you know, they just get obsessed with new and noteworthy and it will give you a bump, but it's not going to give you that 10,000 download, you know, golden switch that we're looking for. So what you should be focusing on is your, your audience and what do they want to hear or see? Yeah. And on the quality of your content, so, you know, yeah. give, give them something that they're going to co- want to come back for, you know, to sort of expand on some of the things you talked about there regarding like headlines. I mean, y- you know, one of the problems with audio online is, is that in, in many ways it's invisible that the good content that's in there is, is sealed up in this file and there's no, you know, they're very, few ways to get people to actually listen to it, to open up that file and to see the richness that you've got there in that. So the other elements that you bring to it, you know, whatever text you have with it or photos or, you know, what, you know, maybe you put clips on, on Twitter or things like that to try to, to open it up and to show people. But, you know, as you said, the headline is, is incredibly important um, for a lot of different reasons. I mean, from a search standpoint, uh, you know, make sure whatever you, the subject is that you're, you're talking about is in that headline in some way. And, you know, so that, that people searching for that person or searching for that topic, or, you know, maybe you ask a question is, you, did you ever wonder how to, how to do X? You know, those are the types of things that come up. And, and what you said about truncating but iTunes, Google also uh, truncates, you know, long headlines. Um, and, and that sort of destroys your searchability as well. Yeah. The other thing that I should probably throw in, in terms of common mistakes, and I'm trying to find one, please name me a hobby that requires no money. And somebody will say, well, running. And I'm like, okay, you had to buy the shoes and those weren't cheap. I see so many people that want a podcast for absolutely zero money. And I already said, don't spend $2,000 on equipment. Okay. But you are going to have to spend some money. Go bowling go golfing. None of these are free. And even if it's a hobby, it's going to cost you probably somewhere between 20 to $30 a month. And if you go bowling or golfing, you're going to blow that easy, if not triple in a month. So, you know, I see a lot of people, again, wasting a lot of time trying to do this for free. And there have been hosts in, in different services that will offer free services. But unfortunately, nobody's figured this out yet. And I'm not quite sure free is not a good business model. And all those companies go out of business because they're not charging anything. And bandwidth is not free. It may be cheap, but it's not free. And so, you know, plan, you know, put some money, quit buying the Starbucks, put down the Mountain Dew, and that will definitely fund your podcast. You know, I, I put my podcast on, on a platform. It's on, it's on Blueberry. 
And um, I'm, I'm actually really happy with what they're able to do. They're, they're able to give me analytics or they distribute it. You know, I have an R, it gives me my RSS feed that I can send to iTunes or wherever else I want to put it online. You know, what's the value of uh, something like that, of like choosing a platform over necessarily doing it your, yourself? Well, number one, convenience. So I've heard of people that will try to use their web host as a media host. And there's a reason. One's called a web host and one's called a media host. A web host hosts web pages. A media host media. And so if I were to, to host my media on a website, number one, I've known probably seven people now that will eventually have their web host go, hey, you're killing my server because a thousand people are trying to download this file at the same time. And my server is going, you know, it's, 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 wheezing and it can't handle that. And they ask you to move. So you're painting with peanut butter is what I call that. It's like, can you do it? Yeah. But should you do it? No. So whether it's Libsyn or Blueberry or Spreaker or Podbean, these are all people that are designed to host media files. They're going to give you stats. They're going to give you an RSS feed that's reliable, that's not going to break, things like that. So it's just the right tool for the right job. And when you try to use these free services or things like that that haven't really been tried or my favorite, I love podcasting companies that have no idea what a podcast is, but they, they have a radio background and there are a lot of really, really talented people in radio that make great content, but they don't understand podcasting in the same way that I wouldn't, you know, I talk into a microphone. That doesn't mean I'm ready to go into a radio station and do a four hour show. They're completely different beasts, but yeah, having the right tool for the right job because I've seen people do that. They'll, they'll use a web host for their media host. Cause it says unlimited bandwidth right there. Well, if you read the small print, that's for web pages. And what happens is when you get popular, you will then put stress on this web host and they then ask you to move. Well, the problem is you're not having a problem in front of a crowd. Congratulations. You've developed an audience. Now you have a problem in front of them. So in the end, use the right tool for the right job and save the headaches. So you said a couple of times that you don't need to spend two thousand dollars to you know to get the technical equipment that you need to right. launch a launch a podcast to sustain a podcast. So, all right, you said before one of the things is if it's just you and a podcast, it's just you and a microphone. You don't need much more than a microphone and headphones and whatever it is you're using to record and edit. And a pop, a pop filter. You definitely need a pop filter because you can, you can take a $400 microphone and sound like, just make it sound hideous because every other word makes your speakers explode. So yeah, I got to get a pop filter or a windscreen. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, so I'm starting a podcast. It's going to be me and somebody else. What should I be thinking about as far as, you know, the recording options to me, you know, this is where you got to ask the questions. Are they in the room with you or are they in another state? You know, cause if, if they're in the room with you, then you probably need a mixer in both cases because you have more than one person now. So you're you're adjusting different volume levels. But if they're in the room with you, then you might need a headphone amplifier. If they're not in the room with you, you don't need a headphone amplifier. Um, the microphone I recommend is the Audio-Technica ATR2100. It's, it runs anywhere from $40 to $80, depending on what Audio-Technica feels like charging that week. And then you can get, you know, a little baby mixer for you know, $60, $70, something like that. So I always tell people, you can start a your typical podcast for about 300 bucks. Mm -hmm. Now, you also mentioned, you know, what we're doing here is we're, 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 we're doing an interview remotely and we're talking over Skype, which has its own pluses and minuses. 
but there are ways for you to, you know, talk to people other other ways over the phone and and uh, online. Can you sort of talk about some of those? Yeah, I mean, I recommend Skype. I don't recommend the phone, and here's here's why. If you can avoid the phone at all costs, do. And it's just the way it is designed. It goes through and it cuts out frequency. So basically, let's just put it this way. It turns down all the bass and it turns down all the treble. And you end up sounding like this because that's the way the phone sounds. Now, the reason it sounds like that is because those are the frequencies most used by your voice. But the problem is it's going to sound like the phone. It doesn't matter what you recorded on. It's going to sound like the phone. So if you can avoid the phone do it. I've had people that will use their phone, but they'll call me over Skype. So I'm not using the phone lines. I'm using the internet. So you can get by with a phone, but I would try you, the host, not using the phone. So if you call somebody on their phone, because you can do that with Skype, uh, but there are, and they're coming more and more every day. I know there's uh, one called Cast that you send somebody a link and records both people separately, and then it stitches them together in the cloud. There's one called Zencaster all sorts of fun tools that you can use to um, basically record these calls. So one of the things that a lot, just about everybody I've spoken to interviewing for this book, the podcasters, when I get to the promotion side of it, almost every one of them says, yeah, I, I didn't really think a whole lot about promotion when I started out and I probably should be doing more, more promotion. How important is that to grow your podcast? It's huge. It is the only way your podcast will grow. The whole, if I... Saying I'm going to get famous by being in iTunes is like saying I'm going to be famous because I'm in the phone book, because that's all iTunes is. It's a giant phone book of podcasts. So how you grow your audience, and this is why people, they just have a problem with this because they want it to come quickly. They want to flip that switch and have 10,000 downloads. But here's what it amounts to. Number one, you have to figure out who your audience is, and then you have to make something that they want to hear. Then you have to go where they are. So you can't do this from your chair unless you're going to a Google group or a Facebook group or a whatever, but you need to connect with your audience. And usually you do that before you record your podcast because how are you going to know what to record about unless you know your audience? So now go where they are. And here's the key one, make friends, build relationships. Why? Because the next step is tell them about your podcast. Well, if you skip that step of making relationships and making friends, if you just walk in and say, oh my gosh, this is my target audience. Hi, I'm Dave. You guys should listen to my podcast. They go, who is this person and how do we spam? How do we get this spammer out of this group? Who is this person that's so, because I've done that. I've been back before Facebook. There were uh, bulletin boards and I, I walked into a forum built for ex-DJs. And I walked in and said, oh, I'm Dave Jackson from the School of Podcasting. You guys should all start podcast. Banned instantly because I had no relationship with these people. Why would they listen to me? They didn't know who I was. So you've got to build relationships, then tell them about your podcast. And it's one of those things, and the more personal you can do it, the better the outcome. So if you can do it face-to-face, -face, is much better than Skype-to-Skype -Skype or phone-to-phone. -phone. But phone-to-phone -phone is better than email-to-email, -email because now I've got tone of voice. I mean, every aspect of those, you have different levels of communication. When you're doing it face-to-face, -face, you have facial expressions, you have body language. When you're doing it voice-to-voice, -voice, you've got tone of voice. But when you're doing it email-to-email, -email, you know, there's no tone of voice, there's no body language. So, and that doesn't mean you're not communicating. It's just not as effective. So that's how you grow your audience. And that's where a lot of people, they get into iTunes and they're waiting for Jimmy Fallon to call so they can go on the Tonight Show. And it just doesn't work that way. And there's a stat, and I check with him, uh, Todd Cochran from Blueberry. Uh, he said it at an Ohio podcasting event that most podcasters don't make it to episode seven 
because A, they figured out it's taking longer than they thought, and B, they're not on Jimmy Fallon, so they quit. Yeah, and, and the other statistic that I think it was Rob Walsh from Libsyn, it's Libsyn, right, mm-hmm. uh, said that the average uh, number of downloads for a podcast after 30 days is 146 episodes. Uh, I think he said that last year. And that's, yeah. you know, and, and that was how I kind of started out when I was doing presentations. Uh, you know, that was one of the first things I said. You, you need to manage your expectations and, yeah. you know, be realistic about who your audience is. You know, understand but, your audience. Go on. But also think about this. Let's say 150 people. And the reason that number is so low is so is because so many people are starting podcasts. I mean, there are plenty that get thousands of downloads. But here's the thing. Let's go with 160 people. My background's in teaching. I used to have, you know, a, a really full class was 20 people. So if it was 160 people, that would be eight classrooms. That would be a whole floor of my building of people in a world with AM, FM, uh, CDs, Netflix, Sirius, HBO, all these other things that you could be listening to, and you're choosing to listen to my show. I have a whole floor of people that could be listening to all this other stuff, and they're choosing to listen to me, and they can unsubscribe and not listen anytime they want. There is no spam in podcasting. You can unsubscribe from me anytime you want. That is huge. So it drives me crazy when I hear somebody say, I've only got 150 downloads. I'm like, that's 150 people that chose to listen to you. Right. Yeah. And I think that's a really good point because I think people get really kind of discouraged by, oh my God, I need to have 10,000 downloads in order for me to to sell ads, or I need to have, you know, a hundred thousand in order for people to know who I am or, or to follow me. But I mean, there are a lot, there's a, you know, lots of different stratas that you can, you can achieve. And the fact, you know, I, I agree with you a hundred percent that, you know, those are hundred, those are 150 fans who are, are rich followers of you who are really good, probably about word of mouth. And that's why it's important that you communicate with your uh, audience. You don't just yell at them, but you actually respond to them and interact with them wherever opportunities that you can, because that's a way to, to grow your, your podcast, whether it's through Facebook or Twitter or, or something else. Absolutely. You have the opportunity that the person with 10,000 downloads does not. And that is you can respond to every email. You can respond to every tweet. You can comment on every Facebook post. You have that time now because your show is smaller. And those are going to be your brand advocates. Those are basically your sales staff. These are the people that are going to go out and say, oh, my gosh, Dave just emailed me back. I can't believe it. And they're going to tell their friends and they're like, well, who's Dave? Oh, he's this guy that does this podcast about podcasting. And so you ignite your your listeners to go out and become your promotion machine. Yeah, this has been really great. I could, if somebody wants to, to find out about the School of Podcasting, I imagine, you know, I, 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 this is something I realized not too long ago on the podcast, I always ask people to tell me how they could reach you, but most likely if they could probably just Google School of Podcasting, they'd find you. But anyway, how could people find you? Yeah, if you just go to schoolofpodcasting.com, that's uh, my main website. My secondary website is powerofpodcasting.com, which I do uh, multiple shows on podcasting. One of them is live. One of them is called Because of My Podcast, which just shows all the great things that are happening because of podcasting. But schoolofpodcasting.com is my main one. And because you said that about your one podcast, I did want you to ask you about this. Um, my own experience with podcasting is... I did this podcast about journalism. I met a lot of people in my field. It, it, it reinforced um, a lot of the things that I'm able to use in my own job. I met a lot of very smart people. It, it sort of helped me to be, you know, to think better and, and in different ways about my own job. And then in the process, 
I, I ended up getting a book contract. So what, what are the why should people podcast? What are the good things besides becoming a millionaire or being on Jimmy Fallon? Well, num- number one, you're going, I have somebody now that is starting a podcast about comic books, especially superhero stuff. And I go, okay, well, you know, what's, what's the plan here? Why are you starting a podcast? He said, oh, it's very simple. My family is tired of me talking about superhero comic books. He goes, and I want to find other people that want to talk about superheroes and comic books. And so that's part of it. I have never met somebody who listens to my show that I don't like because nine times out of 10, they're just like me. You're going to attract like-minded people. So that's that. You're going to be seen as an expert. I do a podcast about weight loss, uh, even though I, I kind of find weight and then I lose it and then I find it and then I lose it. But because it's a podcast, people think you're like the expert, whether you want to be or not. So that comes in handy. If you're a business, it's an open dialogue with you and your potential customer. So you can get great insights into how they're using their product, what you what they think it should do in the future. So that's a great aspect of that. If you're promoting a product, because you create value, because you deliver on a regular basis, now you're trustworthy. And if you share a little bit about yourself, now they kind of get to know you. So they know you, they like you, and they trust you. So when you say, oh, I have a product as well, they're going to go buy that. So that's the big thing. You you don't really make money, quote, from your podcast. So I'm not making money on my MP3 file. I'm making money on the relationship that I, you know, create through my podcast. And then the other thing is, if you, I already said you're going to be seen as an expert. Well, you might, that might lead to speaking gigs. So, which in those cases sometimes are free, but in some cases are not free. You actually get paid to go talk about something you love, which is awesome. So those are the the primary reasons. And then almost forgot, you get to talk to people who would never give you the time of day. And so I have a, a client of mine that does a podcast on the banking industry. And I said, well, how are your numbers? He goes, I haven't looked in months. I'm like, oh, okay, well, how do you know if, you know, this is resonating? He goes, oh, I don't know. I just know I get to talk to people I never would get to talk to because I say, would you like to come on my podcast? And he goes, and then from there, I develop a relationship with those people and it helps me in my business. So he's really could care less about his numbers and new and noteworthy. He's just getting to talk to people that he would never get to talk to. And I've, I've had that as well. When I was doing the musician podcast, I got to talk to uh, Carmine Apice, who's a, a famous drummer for Ozzy Osbourne and all these people I grew up listening to. They would come talk to me because I had a podcast. Yeah, no, I, I, I exact same thing. Yeah, and, and what's nice is, and you don't even think about it. You know, I'm a journalist, so I've I've had sort of a career of, you know, having to go interview people. But it, it's amazing that you know once you make a you contact somebody, the number of people who say yes, it, mm-hmm. it is is uh, very surprising, and that surprises a lot of people. You may idolize somebody, but in actuality, they're just normal people, and if you come to them in an interesting way, you know, present them with, you know, hey, I'd love to have a conversation with you about this thing that you did, or, you know, I see that you're, you're into this as well. Maybe we can talk about it. And, uh, you know, you'll, you find that, that people are just people and uh, they enjoy good conversations like anybody else. Absolutely. And it's just amazing. And then, like I say, I've some of my best friends I've never met because they, you talk to them via your podcast. They email you, they leave voicemail messages, things like that. You comment on that. So I've had people say, I talk to you more than I do my friends that I live, you know, right down the street from. So it's a time shifted conversation. And I know I can go pretty much anywhere in the U S and say, Hey, I'm going to be in Greensboro, North Carolina. Who wants to have dinner and have some people show up. And that's amazing. I've had people say that if I ever go, you know, across the pond, that they would love to 
you know, put me up for a week in London and this and that. So it's the relationships, I think, is the thing that people get focused on the money and the fame, but it's the relationships is where you really, really win. Next time on It's All Journalism. And it was also one of these cases in the 80s that fueled the whole um, fear about, you know, what we call stranger danger. You know, that that parents should be worried about strange men jumping out of bushes and that children shouldn't really be allowed to play outside by themselves. So all of that was tied up in this case. And so as an investigative reporter, I wanted to know what was what really happened here? You know, how could it be that, you know, this case that seems pretty on the face of it so simple um, and had so many resources could not be solved? In our next episode, we talked to Samara Freemark and Madeline Barron of American Public Media about their investigation into a 27-year-old abduction case as part of the nine-part podcast, In the Dark. You've been listening to It's All Journalism, a weekly podcast about digital media. Find out more about us and download past episodes at itsalljournalism.com. You can also find us on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Google Play, and Podcast One. This week's episode was edited by Nicola Grisco. Amber Healy provided our web content. Nick Dupre wrote our theme music, and I'm your host, Michael O'Connell. Hey, I've written a book. You can order copies of Turn Up the Volume, A Down and Dirty Guide to Podcasting on our website. Visit itsalljournalism.com and follow the link at the top of the page. Isn't it time you started your podcast? Do you like the work that we're doing here at It's All Journalism? Now you can show your support on our Patreon page. Follow the link at the top of our website and donate. For as little as a dollar a month, you can access exclusive content and receive updates about upcoming episodes. Donate a little bit more and we'll send you cool swag like our It's All Journalism mug or a signed copy of my podcasting book. There are even opportunities for you to submit ideas for future shows or even appear on an episode. Go to itsalljournalism.com and click on the Patreon link to find out more. It's All Journalism is produced in partnership with the Association of Alternative News Media. Thanks for listening.